Welcome to the Leadership Disrupted Podcast. This is Dan Rust. In our last episode, we focused on 20 years of research regarding employee engagement and the 10 proven engagement drivers. They're proven because they represent exactly what employees are telling us it takes to drive their engagement. And since we're hearing so much about quiet quitting these days, this seems to be particularly relevant to many leaders right now. And of course, to some degree, quiet quitting is just a different name for the same challenge leaders have been facing for years, motivating employees to engage fully in their work, to engage intellectually, emotionally, physically, and even, dare I say, spiritually. But even though this has been an issue for, well, probably for as long as people have been working for other people, I do think there is something unique in the air right now. The level of disengagement and the pervasiveness of low motivation, of dissatisfaction, of malaise, and often all of this is not openly expressed so that we struggle to understand it and to deal with it. Instead, we just have many employees with a pervasive feeling of blah about their jobs, and in many cases about everything else in their lives as well. Something really is happening at this moment in time. And rather than debate the root causes, many of which we've already spoken about in previous episodes, I thought that today we would just focus on what to do about it. And I'll share with you the details of an approach I refer to as loud leadership, the cure for quiet quitting. Yes, I know it's a bit of a kitschy title and loud is actually an acronym for, well, I'll share that in a moment. But I know if you apply loud leadership with your customers, with your employees, It will not just help you with your quiet quitting issue. In my experience, it will cure it. Now, this cure isn't easy. If it was, everyone would be doing it. Medical cures are sometimes uncomfortable, but we go through the treatments because even though the cure is painful or uncomfortable, it's still preferable to the disease. Same thing applies in this case. Loud leadership may not be easy or comfortable for you, at least not at first, but it will still be preferable to your current state with large numbers of disconnected and de-energized employees who are quiet quitting. Again and again, I've seen leaders apply these principles to produce a huge impact on the engagement level of their employees. So that's the big buildup. Now let's dig into it. Loud leadership. As I said, loud is an acronym and the L in loud stands for, wait for it, love. And the kind of love I'm talking about starts with a love for your clients and customers, both in a general sense, loving your customers as a concept, a group, a demographic, and in a very specific sense, loving your individual customers. Now, I know love your customer sounds a little trite, maybe a little obvious. Of course, we love our customers, but do we really, or do we just love it when they buy something from us? Do we love selling to them? Do we love the concept of the customer, but the actual people often really annoy us, especially when they don't buy or they aren't easy to help or when they don't listen or follow instructions or in any way act in a manner that doesn't suit us? Believe me, I know the joy of complaining about an unreasonable client. It can feel very satisfying and can even be a bonding moment when you get together with colleagues and all share your customer frustrations and horror stories, just like getting together with a few of your friends and you start to talk about your spouses or partners or significant others. You rag on them a bit, make fun of them a bit, complain about them a bit, but is that really good for you or your partner or the relationship? Probably not. 
Years ago, I worked for a vice president of sales who had, long before she worked for the business, been one of our customers. She had experienced our products and services and our shipping issues and our customer service issues truly from the customer's perspective for many years before she worked for the business. And she had many friends who were also customers. This was one of her business superpowers because she understood our customers deeply because she and her friends were our customer. And so whenever anyone in our business meetings, the weekly marketing team meeting, the regional sales meetings, the product development meetings, the customer service team meetings, if anyone made an even slightly cynical comment about the customer or a specific individual customer, she took that personally and she wouldn't stand for it. She would say, when you talk about our customers, it should always be with the respect and love they deserve. And when you get your paycheck every two weeks, take a moment to appreciate where it really came from, from our customers. And anything you say about customers in meetings or in individual conversations, in emails or anywhere else, do it in a way that you would be comfortable if the customer actually heard you or read your words. So this leader, she took her love for customers very personally. It was a big part of her passion for our business. And while she may represent an extreme, I can guarantee you that her colleagues and team members felt the intensity of her vision, of her mission. And I do think great leaders do love their customers. Anyone in business knows the value of a happy customer, especially one who's willing to share their experiences with other potential customers, which is precisely why business leaders must love their customers. And not just the leaders of customer-facing functions, every leader. Have you ever worked for or spoken to a leader who just complains and bitches and moans about their customers? One of the things that happens when a leader complains about customers is that their employees pick up on this message. A cynical customer complaining leader tends to produce cynical customer complaining employees. When a leader, especially a high level leader, is constantly verbalizing their dissatisfaction with a customer, the fallout spreads quickly and it creates an organization where this type of negativity is seen as okay, acceptable, but it isn't. Your employees take their cues from you. So if you express disdain for customers, one of two things will happen. Some employees will adopt your disdain. They will mirror it. And others will be put off by it. They'll be de-energized and demotivated by the hollowness of it. Over time, these employees move on to other places because they don't want to feel disdain for their customers or they stay for a variety of reasons and they become your quiet quitters. They're not going to work extra or overtime or put in more passion than is required or more mental energy than is required. Who's going to do that if in the end, the reality is that we have this baseline of disdain for our customers? Nobody goes the extra mile in an environment like that. But it's not just disdain for customers that hurts you. You're probably thinking, I don't have disdain for my customers at all. Some of them can be annoying, like when they want something or when they complain about something, but mostly I'm fine with our customers. But does that really sound like love? I'm fine with our customers? And what message does that communicate to your employees? It's not bad, just not great. If all of your internal customer conversations revolve around sales opportunities and sales targets and sales results, 
and cumulative sales volume and achieving sales goals. And you never or rarely or only as an afterthought do you talk about your customers as people and the positive impact your products or services are having for them or the privilege it is to have them as customers or the pride your organization can have in helping them. If you are just focused on revenue, 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 does that sound like love to you? And what message does that communicate to your employees? Again, your employees will take their cue from you and some of them will mirror or take on your attitude. Or maybe that's why you hired them in the first place because they share your myopic focus on revenue. But for many employees, I dare say for most of your employees, even your employees in sales positions, the exclusive focus on revenue will feel hollow to them. They may stay with you, again, for a variety of reasons, but they are not going to stay with full engagement because they don't want to feel like just a mercenary. So again, you end up with quiet quitters who do their job just enough to keep their job, but they don't bring their full energy, their full mind, their full engagement and spirit to the job. So this probably makes sense to you. If leaders don't express enthusiasm and joy and love for their customers, it's going to have an impact on their employees. So with that said, it's surprising how many leaders really don't feel any sort of emotional bond with their customers. I shared this mindset with the senior director of a large customer support call center, and he sort of rolled his eyes and he said, so you think the customer is always right? I can tell you a lot of times they are rude and impatient and wrong. And I do not let them push my people around because they need to respect us too. So there was a definite edge to his voice. And I found myself wondering what sort of signals his people were picking up from him. Of course, respect should go both ways. And of course, customers should not be rude. And of course, the customer is absolutely positively not always right. But the customer is always the customer. And demanding mutual respect is not exactly the same as loving your customer. In fact, it is probably when your customer is rude and demanding and unreasonable and wrong, it's then that your love for the customer is most important. With a difficult customer or a customer who's behaving at the moment in a difficult manner, you can have a professional and kind and respectful and yes, loving approach that doesn't just mollify or placate them. You can help the customer come to see that they are wrong, so to speak, and you can do so with kindness. Does it always work? Of course not. But I have seen over and over again that in situations with frustrated customers, the vast majority of the time, a truly friendly, respectful, and loving approach wins the day. So the point here is not to give you a lecture on customer centricity. It is that starting at the very top of the organization, Leadership creates the customer-facing culture, and that culture can be customer-oriented, a culture of loving the customer, or it can be something else. And if it is something else, it is very likely contributing to your quiet quitting challenge. Whether you call it compassion or kindness or respect, love for customers is key to setting your organization apart and inspiring the full engagement of your employees. If your primary purpose is to make your customers' lives better, then you'll love and care about your customers. Your policies, actions, products, and decisions will be centered around your customers. 
and your employees will be energized and inspired to fully engage in the same mission, making your customers' lives better. Now, it's not just customers who need our love. Employees need our love as well. And again, I know that love is a strong word, but if you want to optimize employee engagement, you're going to have to get comfortable with it. Simply put, employees want a leader who makes them feel important, a leader who respects them, who values them, who engages with them. And you can pick a different word if you want to, but I think the best word is love. And it's not that hard. Here are some easy-peasy ways for leaders to demonstrate their love and appreciation for employees. Number one, just get to know them personally. Go beyond the customary hellos, good mornings, and how are yous. Get to know their real selves. It might seem hard when your team is too big, but you can always try. Make an effort to know about their family, their spouses, their aspirations, and career plans Making this effort will help you understand them in a somewhat personal manner. Now, many leaders will tell me that they agree with this as a concept, but in reality, they just don't have the time to know their employees this well. But think about that for a moment. Let that set in. Essentially, they're saying to me, I don't have the time to really get to know my employees, and yet I'm perplexed that they're not as engaged as I would like them to be. Hmm. If you've ever been in a personal relationship where one party just didn't have the time to be fully attentive to the other person, but they wanted the other person to be fully attentive, does that ever work long-term? I don't think so. And so if you decide to make an effort to get to know your employees more personally, don't try to do it all at once. First, that will feel awkward and artificial. And second, you'll get a huge download from them about their personal lives and then feel done. Mission accomplished. But that's not the mission, not to download data about them, but to focus on knowing them and having them feel known over time. The second point is to offer help whenever possible. When you share a good rapport with employees, you can easily sense if they're going through some problems or not. And if that's the case, ask them what's going on and give them enough confidence that they can approach you for help without any second thoughts. If you are always busy, 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 they're not going to feel comfortable asking for help or even accepting help if it's offered. So ask yourself, how approachable am I? If an employee did have an issue, what is the likelihood that they would be comfortable coming to me? And this brings me to my third point. Be flexible. While in any organization, it is important to have rules and policies and procedures and standards, not every rule has to be applied to every employee in the exact same manner. Don't be afraid to make exceptions if they're required by the situation. Be flexible when it comes to timings and working styles. Again, this may feel at first as if it's taking more time, but what is the amount of time you spend trying to overcome the impact of quiet quitting? Taking the time to be a bit more flexible and open to adjusting based upon employee needs may very well boost engagement enough to eventually save you significant time. The fourth easy way of showing your love for employees is to create genuine opportunities for them. As a leader, it's very important to provide enough development opportunities for your employees. Finding opportunities for them is a great way to show that you've got their backs. Send them to various 
industry events or conferences to boost their confidence and their careers. You can also mentor them if you have the time. But most importantly, let them know that you want them to grow and develop and build their skill stacks over time and that you will do what you can to help them with that growth. Fifth way to show employees you love them, make time for fun. Sometimes team members work extra hard and even pull all-nighters to either close a deal or finish a deadline. When you see that happening, add an element of fun to keep the stress away. Take them out or give them a day off to rejuvenate and revitalize. Or even just in the day-to-day normal workflow, finding ways to have fun is a great way for a leader to express love. For some leaders, fun comes very naturally and other leaders really have to work at it. I personally am probably in the really have to work at it camp. You know yourself, and if you have a reputation as a serious, accountability-driven, no-nonsense, get-the-job-done leader, it might not be a surprise that you have an issue with quiet quitting among some employees. Maybe it's time for you to get equally serious about having some fun. The sixth way to show employees you love them is to appreciate them publicly. Do your employees feel recognized at work? Think again, because over 65% of employees report that they do not feel adequately recognized at work. If you really want to show that you care for your employees, start pouring out some words of appreciation for them every now and then. Another easy way to show your love for employees is to show trust in them. Employees look up to their leaders and managers, whether they say it or not. When their leaders show trust in the employees' abilities and judgment and commitment, this is hugely motivating, and the reverse is also true. When it is clear that a leader does not trust them, almost nothing can be as debilitating. So let me ask you, do you think that your employees believe you trust them to get the job done? Or do they perceive you as a heavy-handed micromanager who thinks it will never get done right unless you are actively involved? It's just a question to ponder. The eighth easy way for you to show love for employees, just do little things that matter. It's not always about the bigger things. Sometimes little things can go a long way. Send an appreciation email for a team member. Get him enrolled in an online training course. Give a public shout out or congratulate someone for a personal or a professional milestone. When you pay attention to the little day-to-day comments and other things that you can do, it will change things for the better. Because for many employees, it's not about the actual little thing. It's about the fact that you took the time to think of and do the actual little thing. And finally, on my list of easy ways to show employees your love, number nine, be willing to let them go. No one wants to lose their best employees, but helping them advance in their career, even when it means they leave your team or move to another part of the organization, that's the sign of a great leader. It shows that you have the guts to let them go so they can grow. That's a rare leadership quality. Now, of course, there are lots and lots of other ways to show employees that you love them. If you actually do feel that sense of affection and appreciation for them, then you won't need a list of practices. You'll decide on your own what you should do about it. Just like any other relationship, remember that all the love in the world is pointless unless there's a way to express that love in a manner that the other person wants to receive it. I don't want to go overboard by using the love languages model, but there is some practical usage in this context. Some of your employees want to hear words of appreciation. Some of your employees are more moved by tangible tokens or gifts that show your appreciation. 
Some employees want your time, and it is your willingness to spend time with them that speaks their preferred language of appreciation. Of course, this means you have to pay attention and really understand each of your employees, which leads us to the second element of loud leadership. It's related to love, and in fact, it springs from the love that you have for your employees and your customers. Oh, but one other element of love that I want to mention before we move on, and that is your love for your company. As a leader, when you express in a genuine, authentic way your love for your company, for the organization's mission, for the business, when you find ways to express this love, it does have an impact on your employees and their level of engagement. This doesn't mean that you have to be all sunshine and rainbows all the time whenever anyone talks about the company, but as a leader, you do have an impact on employee engagement whenever you make a comment or express an opinion about the company, positive or especially negative. So think about this a moment. When was the last time you, as a leader, let your employees know how much you appreciate the company itself? Or when occasionally you have employees who start to question or complain about the organization, do you join in? Do you remain silent? Because silence is really the coward's way of agreeing. So just think about how overtly you express your own enthusiasm for the company on a regular basis, not with huge speeches or pronouncements, but just with your day-to-day -day comments and actions. If you can find ways to be a little more overt and proactive in your expression of affection for the company, again, it has to be real and reasonable, but over time, this is one of the ways a leader can have a positive impact on employee engagement. Okay, enough about love. The second element of loud leadership is observe and understand your customers and your employees. This is the O and the U in loud, observe and understand. As I said earlier, the point here is not to lecture you in the value of a customer-centric approach or employee-centric leadership. My point is to help you see how your customer-centric and employee-centric leadership approach enhances employee engagement or diminishes it when it's lacking. A leader in virtually any area of business, not just leaders in customer-facing functions, any leader who is known for paying attention to customer behaviors, for understanding customer needs and priorities, for observing and understanding customers deeply, employees who work for those leaders tend to be more motivated and engaged because the mission to improve the lives of customers feels more real when it comes from a leader who clearly studies their customers, a leader who perhaps has friends and family members who are customers, a leader who works to keep his or her finger on the pulse of the customer. These are the leaders who inspire employees to engage more fully. A quality control leader who's following up on a product quality issue and tries to get the attention of his team by highlighting how the quality metrics were missed, that same leader is going to be much more impactful if he communicates the quality issue in terms of its impact on customers, how customers will react, and how this will drive the behavior of customers based on what we've observed, what we know, and what we understand about them. A leader who's reviewing the impact of a marketing campaign with her team will probably cover some key metrics, but the more she can communicate those metrics in terms of actual customer behaviors and actions based upon observation 
and a deep understanding of the customer, this leader will have a greater positive impact on employee engagement. So being known as a leader who loves your customers, who observes and understands your customers, this is the kind of leader who inspires greater employee engagement. Being a leader who loves your employees, who observes and understands your employees. Again, this is the kind of leader who inspires greater employee engagement. So a little more about observe and understand. When you're really paying attention to your customers and especially to your employees, you develop over time a baseline expectation or understanding of their typical behavior. So when you notice that an employee is starting to share less in meetings than they have in the past, or perhaps share more, speak up more, express their opinion in different ways, really any significant change in an employee's behavior can be a tell to indicate that something is going on with them. And reading those employee tells, just like playing the actual game of poker, is as much an art as it is a science. Some leaders get so focused on tasks and projects and to-do items and KPIs and OKRs and all the stuff that needs to be done, plus budgets and data and timelines and statistics and metrics, all of that is important. But along with all of that, it is important for a leader to observe their people, pay attention to their customers, and always seek to deeply understand their employees and customers. These types of leaders attend to the people with whom they work, the customers to whom they provide value in products and services. And this type of leader who attends to the people in the business, this type of leader drives high employee engagement. And this isn't just an opinion. 20 years of employee engagement survey results tell us that employees want to be viewed as much more than just functions in the workplace, and they want to know that their customers are viewed as much more than just sources of revenue. If employees perceive that their leaders in an organization are not tuned in to the people, meaning the employees and the customers, if they're not tuned in to the people, if they don't care that much about the people, if the leaders are all task and process and metrics, then that mindset does impact employee engagement. So the mindset of observe and understand is about paying attention and wondering, how are they doing the work they're doing? How are they buying and reacting to our products? Why do they work here? What motivates them? What are they thinking? Now, to be clear, the actual questions you might ask yourself may very well be different. It is the mindset that leads to these kinds of questions, the observe and understand mindset. So we've got L, love, O-U, observe and understand. And then finally, we have D, which stands for direct. Because you are a leader, people do expect you to lead. Of course, they hope you'll lead with love and with the knowledgeable empathy you've gained from observing and understanding, but they do instinctively want you to lead, to make decisions, to set direction. And sometimes leaders who are very naturally people-centric, who prefer to think of themselves as servant leaders, sometimes these individuals are hesitant to be directive, even when that's what's called for in their role. So don't be afraid to give direction, to provide coaching, to make decisions, to give guidance when needed. Again, this is what employees are looking for from a great leader, and this is what drives greater employee engagement. For many employees, when it feels as if a leader doesn't have the courage to lead, or the competence, or maybe the engagement to lead, if a leader is not engaged enough to know when 
and how to provide direction, then that again is going to drive employee disengagement. So that is the essence of loud leadership. Love, observe and understand, direct. Get those things right and you will have an impact on the engagement of your employees. So let's talk a little more about this term, quiet quitting. Despite what the name suggests, quiet quitters are employees who are choosing to stay in their jobs, but are committing to doing only what is specifically required of them at work and nothing more. For example, they may work only their contracted hours and refuse to take on any additional tasks without compensation. Many of these employees will tell you that they are working to live as opposed to living to work. And this is by no means a new or novel perspective, but this outlook has undoubtedly become more widespread as a result of all sorts of factors, which we have certainly discussed on previous podcasts. But whatever the root causes, many employees have made the conscious decision to reduce the importance they attach to their work lives in favor of family, friends, and their mental as well as their physical well-being. Some are calling this the great realignment in which workers worldwide have reevaluated their relationship with work. And many of them will argue that this has been a long time coming with many employees who in the past might have been the most hard charging, motivated, hardworking proponents of hustle culture. Many of these employees have ended up experiencing burnout and poor mental health. And for some, no matter how hard they worked, they never seemed to really get ahead while at the same time, they perceive the wealthy, the haves in the world, the elite, so to speak, doing better and better while enjoying the good life. And of course, sharing that good life on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, you name it. Now, I'm not arguing that this perspective is correct or accurate or even healthy. It probably isn't, but it is the perspective that often leads employees to malaise and disengagement. A recent survey indicated that 60% of employees today feel disengaged in their workplace. And traditional tactics that are used to build a lively, inclusive, and social workplace culture are simply not cutting it. Employers have to think innovatively to create and introduce policies and incentives and leadership approaches that sufficiently re-engage their workforce and prevent them from quiet quitting. Loud leadership may not be the whole answer for your organization, but I'm betting it can be a part of the answer. The Harvard Business Review recently reported that quiet quitters engage in such behaviors as a response to feeling undervalued and unappreciated at work. Evidence shows that employees are still willing to go the extra mile at work, but only for businesses and leaders who they trust and respect and crucially, who they feel trust and respect them. Interestingly, managers play an especially significant role in this regard, with the most effective managers having approximately 30 to 40% fewer quiet quitters on their teams compared to the least effective leaders. Further, in a recent survey, more than a quarter of employees cited having a supportive manager as important in driving their own engagement in the workplace. Some employers are trying very tangible ways to express their appreciation for employees as human beings, not just functional workers. Some are providing enhanced family leave benefits, 
enhance the mental health care benefits, paying greater and genuine attention to employee health and well-being, creating a culture of caring about employees' mental health, encouraging employees to look after their mental and emotional well-being, setting boundaries around work, and checking in on people regularly. As a leader, it should be on you to make sure that workloads are realistic so your employees aren't drowning. Make sure that you have realistic expectations, that you establish boundaries, that you don't overload anyone to the point of burnout, and check in with them regularly to ensure their workload is appropriate. Talk to your employees about their career paths and their ultimate goals. Show them you care about their future success, not just as an employee, but as a person. And help employees clearly see how their performance contributes to the organization as a whole. Engage with your employees often, both formally and informally. Gather feedback and use it to improve your organization. Ask questions, have conversations, offer encouragement, and express appreciation frequently. All of this is loud leadership. Citing the Harvard Business Review again, they recently reported that a manager's ability to build relationships with their employees is the most significant leadership trait directly linked to building employee engagement and reducing quiet quitting. So the goal of applying loud leadership is to develop positive relationships with your employees by way of open and honest communication and positive reinforcement. Now, if you have particular employees who you think are probably quiet quitting, you might want to think about inviting them to openly discuss any issues or underlying factors that are contributing to their disillusionment or underperformance. Again, with love and a spirit of observing and understanding, be open to the possibility that there may be genuine and valid reasons for their disengagement. Employers who develop positive professional relationships with their employees by being vocal about their appreciation of their workforce, valuing the contribution of each employee, and genuinely listening to their concerns in an open, inclusive, and safe environment, they are much more likely to have employees who are engaged and productive and much less likely to quietly quit. Building a culture of communication means creating something that goes beyond top-down push messaging. Empowering your employees to contribute and comment, having regular surveys to check in with them. And no, a once-a-year NPS poll probably isn't enough. And making leaders visible and present can all help. However you get there, it needs to be multi-directional and achieved through a wide range of communication channels. From an organizational perspective, employers should invest, really, they should over-invest, in helping their teams complete tasks frictionlessly to ensure the culture is healthy and to adequately reward a job well done. But it's also necessary to build a lively community that everyone feels a part of. In return, those employees who do feel silently disengaged, they may reappraise and recognize the efforts made to listen and rebalance work with life. With better channels available for them to speak, one hopes that they too will want to reestablish a meaningful connection and become more fully engaged in their work environment. That certainly doesn't mean going back to working till burnout. It just means reopening the channels that quiet quitting suggests have shut down. Another recent study found that companies can address quiet quitting among employees by ensuring that they are able to spend time with other people who identify positively with the company. Other people who have a genuine enthusiasm for the company, or dare I say, a love for the company. 
And especially if those other people are recognized leaders within the company, it seems that merely spending time with these people, not necessarily talking about issues or doing anything directly related to creating engagement, not team building exercises, nothing at all, just spending time and being in the positive presence of leaders who have a genuine positive attitude about the company and who have a genuine respect and love for their employees, that time spent was the primary factor determining the positive engagement level of other employees. So my ultimate point here is that if you are wondering what to do about quiet quitting, as a leader, I suggest that you start with yourself, work on yourself, and find ways to express your loud leadership. Okay, that's all for today. Next week, we're going to focus on how you as a leader can develop the resilience needed to navigate change and probably more importantly, how you can help others in your organization develop that same resilience. Whatever podcast app you're using to listen to this program, obviously, I hope you'll like and share and subscribe to this podcast to be notified when new episodes get posted every Tuesday. And in future shows, I'm going to invite leaders who have practical, real-world advice to share. And of course, I invite your questions and comments, which will guide the direction of future shows. And so with that, thank you for listening to Leadership Disrupted.